0: Hey there, welcome to the Elenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Elenia Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Today we begin a series designed to lead us into our Easter holiday called Simply Jesus. Today we explore the fact that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. What does that phrase mean and what does it communicate? We'll listen in and explore how Jesus' humanity gives us hope for our struggles today this morning. Welcome to Alenia. I just want to remind you before we begin um, about our Easter opportunity that's coming up in uh, two weeks. Can you all believe that? Easter's going to be here in two weeks, so if, get out there shop for your Easter outfit. Get your Easter dress, Easter suit, whatever you want to... If you show up in an Easter suit, don't tempt you, all right, come on, let's do it. Hey, um, also, I want to just uh, let you know about, um, I have a handful of keychains left, so if you weren't here last week and you want one of these, come find me. They literally are in my pocket, all right? And uh, this is just a reminder of what we're praying for as a church, just a joint prayer, prayer effort. So it's got our Alinea paragraph marker on the front, but on the back it has uh, the number 52. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying that God would bring uh, fifty-two people from death to life, fifty-two people into relationship with Jesus. And uh, we believe that nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. Uh, prayer moves mountains. Prayer is real. Prayer is powerful. And so, when you get everybody praying on a, a collectively on one thing, that is. And um, that is a powerful, powerful tool that we have. So I'm going to ask everybody to, if you don't have one of these, grab one of these uh, keychains. Um, and if yours broke, come grab a replacement. That's fine. I have just a handful of those. And um, uh, Troy mentioned or is going to mention about the God Loves You cards. Um, we either ran out of them or um, we have a gremlin in one of our carts. So we don't know where they went to. Uh, but that's okay because we have lots of For God's to Love the Burrow cards so make sure you grab those and use those as a tool to invite people. Um, when you're at Starbucks, when you are um, at the grocery store, when you're at the gas station, uh, the people that God surrounds you with is not a mistake. I- I'm telling you, you get aggravated at your neighbor because his crabgrass is growing over onto your manicured lawn, and you can't seem to get the line, the, de- the line of delineation to happen there you've you've paid for your money on your side and you've got the demilitarized zone like this like north korea south korea right and uh but god did not put you there by accident a lot of you wonder like wow god why am i here like i am not joking i think 75 percent of the people that call lenny home aren't from tennessee and you may be here in a season where you're wondering why am i here why did God bring me here? Well, one, it's the best state on the planet. Sorry. Tennessee, I love Tennessee. Uh, that's why God called us here to start Elenia Church. Um, you may be wondering why you ended up in that job. You may be wondering why you didn't end up in that job. You may be wondering why you got the promotion or why you didn't get the promotion. God has a reason, all right? David David wasn't wondering why he wasn't king yet when he was taking care of the sheep. I mean, he was he was slaying lions and bears. All right. He was he was honing his craft. He was doing what God called him to Um, this. None of this is in my notes. But pay attention to where God has you because he has you there for a reason. All right. And I believe that God has you there for that reason to shine the light on the dark world. And the darker the world is, the brighter the light. And you can do it. Don't let whatever voice is inside your head tell you you can't or that you're not good enough or you're not holy enough or you're not perfect enough, or whatever the case may be. You God has called you for that purpose. You can do it. God has equipped you. Okay, and there is this thing, this person, part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And Scripture says, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will speak for you. All right. So just trust that. I think a lot of what we have to do in our Christian walk is just this simple act of trust. Do we trust what the Bible says? Do we trust that God loves us? Do we trust that God forgave us? Do we trust that God has equipped us? Do we trust that God has given us a spiritual gift? Do we trust that that God can use us? And the answer to all of those things is yes, 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 and yes. Um, all right. Now, thank you for those, the backpack materials, um, Laura's going to be, Uh, collecting those at the end of service we actually have a we have an outreach banner now we're all official we have officially have an outreach department now that we have a banner don't don't fool yourself we always had an outreach department um so she's going to be collecting those and handing uh, those out to the homeless uh, this week so thank you for that and last thing i'm going to say before we get into the message this message is not complete without next week's message All right. If you listen to this week's message, you're 50 percent of the way there. You have to come back next week. All right. Because there is a part two to this that I don't want you to miss. All right. Everybody stand with me as we read God's word Uh, and just honor him and in honor of of Scripture. It says this in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, which is part of your Bible reading. You read this this week. If you're sticking with us on your Bible reading, if you haven't, that's okay. You can start now. lineachurchorg forward slash Bible. Um, and I think today we wrapped up Colossians. But this is the beginning of Colossians. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the invisible and the visible. to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everybody say amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat this morning. So when I was praying about what I should preach about uh, for this series, I knew I wanted to do a series called Simply Jesus. And the reason is, is because I believe that We can get so distracted by everything else, and I feel like that our responsibility as a church is just fix you on the person of Jesus Christ. If I can do that, I feel like I'm winning. If I can get you focused on the person of Jesus Christ. So I was talking to Jennifer, and you can ask her. I was like, I was struggling. She was like, what are you struggling about? I'm like, I have to talk about Jesus. And I was like, well, isn't that the whole thing that you do? And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's like I'm talking about Jesus. Like, how do you... I, I've, we only have 52 weeks a year. I'm trying to do this in a four-week four week series. Like, how do you do that? Um, and I came across this passage in John, and a, a light bulb hit, and I knew this is what I want to preach about this first message. Uh, Jesus is, is on trial. He's being crucified, and it says this, Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Here is the man. Here is the man. And I wanted to preach you today uh, simply this message, Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus, the Son of Man. Now, I don't doubt that everyone on this planet agrees that there was this person named Jesus who lived long ago and drastically changed the landscape of history by his teaching. I mean, you, no one can deny that. I think 100% of the people can look at historical records, can look at uh, historical documents, and know that there was this person, Jesus. But it wasn't just what he said that changed the world. It was what he did and who he was that radically changed the world and changed me. Because Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good prophet. If you have read the Chronicles of Narnia or you've watched, uh, the, you know, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. War, 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 help me out now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I want to have an interpreter up here. Half the time I feel I can need that. Um, the author of that was C.S. Lewis. Okay? And C.S. Lewis said, you cannot look at the person of Jesus Christ and just believe that the person of Jesus Christ was a good teacher a good moral teacher, a good prophet. You can't do that because it means that if you look at Jesus' teachings, he was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was exactly who he said he was. Because you can't look at the teachings of Jesus And think that he was just a good teacher because he called himself the son of God. He said, I have the power to forgive sins. He said, I have the power to tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. So either he is a liar because that wasn't true, or he did all of those things and he is exactly who he said he was. Or he was a lunatic. A lunatic in the fact that he said, I am the son of God. And he wasn't, but he really, really thought he was. And instead, he should have been in an insane asylum. So it's either he's a liar, a lunatic, or option number three, this is the position I take. He was exactly who he said he was. He was the son of God. He was born of a virgin. He came to take away the sins of the world. And... I had to say this because I saw this this week and it's really, really bugging me. Please do not get your theology from TikTok. There is this, there's a guy on there that it got shared and he was like, "Uh, uh, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And I want to tell you that He is not the only way to heaven. That if you just simply follow the principles of Jesus, then it doesn't matter if you're this or that, you can get to heaven. And I'm like, how do you call yourself a pastor? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not a way. I'm not a truth. I am not a life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So please love social media, it's great, get to see all your pretty pictures, and you get to see your cats, and get to see your vacation, and your waterfalls, and I get to see all the pictures of your food, and it's all great, but it is not the ideal location to understand theology, Saw so another person on there who's a Christian. I believe he's a Christian. I believe he's. I believe he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe all those things, but he he calls himself a prophet and he is throwing out every sort of prophecy left and right. Now you know what they did in the Old Testament if you were a false prophet. There was accountability there. There are so many prophets nowadays that have no accountability you can just say whatever you want to got 900,000 followers I believe someday some I believe someone today is going to overcome depression odds are pretty good 900,000 followers that that's going to happen sorry just it burns my bubble Yeah, I said that. Burns in my bubble. People are like, what does that mean? I don't know. I just started saying it one day. And All right, so what we're going to explore today is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand that Jesus Christ, that's not his first and his last name, like Jesus Smith or Jesus Anderson, all right? Christ simply means the Messiah, all right? Now, what is the Messiah? What does Christ mean? So you look at the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, and you have all of these promises that are laid out over thousands of years that one day God is going to send a Savior that is going to reconcile humanity with himself, is going to save the nation of Israel, and that was who the Christ was. So when they said that Jesus is the Messiah, they were saying Jesus is the Christ, therefore we say Jesus Christ, all right? Um, now, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus didn't always say that I am Jesus Christ, I am Jesus the Messiah, I am Jesus the Son of God. His his um, label that he placed on himself most often was I am the Son of Man, all right? Now, what does the Son of Man mean? If you look at Ezekiel, um Ezekiel is called the Son of Man 93 times. It talks about Son of Man, Son of Man, Son of Man. Okay, what does that mean? It means, hey, dude, you human, all right? At the base root, what that means is God was calling Ezekiel a human, a man, all right? Uh, it was a designation that you see in Daniel. And we're going to get to that here in a, in a second towards the end of the message. But basically when Jesus is saying, I'm the son of man, he is saying, I am human like you. All right. Now this is where we got 50% of the message. This is why you got to come back next week. Cause next week we're going to talk about Jesus, the son of God. All right. Now you see this all the way back in Genesis, the very first mention of what this is going to look like, this Messiah, this Christ, this Redeemer, when God is cursing the snake. So I don't know if you remember the story. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. they got no clothes on. we got the snake that comes up and says, hey, eat the fruit. And they're like, no, we don't want to eat the fruit because God told us to. And the snake's like, hey, you know, you're going to be just like God. If you eat the fruit, it be really cool. And so they eat the fruit, right? They realize that they're uh, in East Tennessee vernacular naked, all right? And all hell breaks loose, right? God comes in. He has to kick him out of the garden. But before he does that, he curses the snake. And this is what he says. He says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head. And you will strike his heel. This is the very first messianic prophecy in the Bible. God says, Your offspring, the offspring of Eve, is going to one day destroy the snake, destroy the enemy, destroy the devil, but before he does, the enemy is going to strike his heel. That is a foreshadowing or a prophecy of the cross. Because let's think about that. The enemy thought he won, right? The enemy thought that, hey, we're going to, we're going to crucify this guy who is going around saying that he's the son of God. And uh, this will take care of everything. But then three days later, that's what we celebrate in two weeks. Easter, he got up out of a grave. That's why the resurrection is so important. In fact... And I'm going to preach this in two weeks, but Paul says without the resurrection, there is no hope. We have to have the resurrection, all right? All right, so right from the beginning, God had a plan, all right? He gave us a promise. But until that promise comes, there needs to be a temporary solution, all right? What do I mean by that? Well, let's talk a little bit about... Um, the holiness of God. The holiness of God is was using an illustration of the sun. I like the sun. Everybody's fighting over if we're going to do daylight savings time, no daylight savings time. We're going to have sunshine in the morning or sunshine at night. I like the sun. I hate cloudy days. Kind of makes me dreary. I like my vitamin D. Get my, Roll up my sleeves, get some sun on my like I know it looks, I look pasty, but I'm telling you. Hey, so yeah, I like the sun. I mean, one day uh, in the past, I used to go to this thing called a tanning bed. I know that's hard to believe. And my wife, my wife can tan. She can tan. She can get really dark. And before our, before our wedding day, I was like, I'm going to hit the tanning bed. I'm going to get, I'm going to get like tan. Be like a base tan. And so I would go to the tanning bed over and over and over. And I got a little bit darker and got a little bit darker and got a little bit darker. And then I went to Knoxville for the wedding and I met up with Jennifer. And Jennifer's like, why don't you go to the uh, tanning place I go to? I'm like, okay, great. So I walk into the tanning place and the guy just looked at me and was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, she's, she's going to tan, i want to tan. And he's like, she can tan. I'm worried about you, Tan. I'm like, what do you mean? I've been tanning for like 3 months. He goes, "Well, how long do you want?" I'm like, "I don't know, 15 minutes." He goes, "5. I give you 5 minutes." Because he knew that if I got in there too long, I was going to be red lobster. We're not talking about the restaurant. I was going to be burnt to a crisp. I was going to be deep fried and refried. <laughs> because I can't tan Now, I like the sun. The sun gives you vitamin D. We like going out in the the garden. We like planting our tomatoes. We like growing our tomatoes. We like eating our tomatoes. And that all is possible because we have sunshine. We have the sun that's beaming down, that's giving us energy, right? You can put solar panels out, and you can run your microwave off of the energy that's coming from the sun. We all like the sun. Can I get an agreement? Show of hands, how many of you all like the sun? Yeah. Yeah. How many of y'all like the sun if you go outside without any sunscreen for three hours? No hands. I wonder why. Probably because you have learned from experience not to fall asleep on the beach without any sunscreen. Or if you were to get too close to the sun. If you got too close to the sun, it would destroy you. Why is that? Well, because the sun is nine thousand nine hundred. In 41 degrees Fahrenheit. So the sun is good, but you get too close to the sun, it's going to destroy you. That is kind of like a really rude illustration of what the holiness of God is like. The holiness of God is something we cannot fathom. We cannot comprehend. We cannot understand how good and how great and how holy and how awesome and when you if you were in the presence of God I kid you not there is no mistake no doubt in my mind you would hit the deck the talk about the fear of God the power that created the universe The power that spun the stars into the sky, the power that put the solar system out there, whether you think there's eight planets or nine, the power that put that all out there. And if he was standing in front of you, you would fall to your knees because you would think to yourself, I am so unworthy. I am so unworthy. And there was a gap. And God loved you so much, he did not want that gap to remain. So what did he do? What he did is he created a temporary temple and sacrifice system. So if you're in Leviticus right now, if you're doing our Bible reading, you're in Leviticus and you're reading all this stuff like, man, they're killing goats and bulls and and doves and blood everywhere and burning things and goats and all sorts of crazy things. And, and you're thinking to yourself, what is going on there? What is going on is God was establishing a system by which he could cover the sins of the nation of Israel. I don't 100% understand it, but I do know that they were to obey the letter of the law in Leviticus. Therefore, God could meet with them. And this is how I know it worked. In Numbers... It's, uh, no, in Leviticus, the very first line of Leviticus, it says this. Then the Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him, where? From the tent of meeting. So here's God. He's in the t- tent of meeting. And there's Moses. And he is calling out to Moses from the tent of meeting. And then what does he do? He gives Moses... Hey, this is what this sacrifice is. This is what a grain sacrifice will be. This is what a grain offering will be. This is what a, a drink offering will be. This is what, uh, uh, this is, you got to sacrifice a bull. You've got to sacrifice a goat. You got to sacrifice turtle doves, whatever the case may be. They follow the letter of the law in Leviticus. The next book that comes after Leviticus is Numbers. Look what Numbers says Numbers 1 then, 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the Tent of Meeting. So now the nation of Israel has done everything that they were responsible for, so now they can commune with God. But that's not the whole system. The other part of the system was this this person, a high priest. He was an intermediary. He was the one who would go into the temple and he would make sacrifices on behalf of the nation of Israel. Now, the high priest was human just like you and me, but he was also sinful just like you and me. So what did he have to do? He had to make sacrifices on his own behalf. Then he would go and make sacrifices on behalf of the nation of Israel. And that's how this whole system worked. But we know that it was only temporary. We know this is not what God's design was for all eternity. Why we see this in Hebrews 10:3. He says, "But in the sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin." This was never God's desire. This was never what God wanted to begin with. He wanted to have that relationship that he had with Adam and Eve at the beginning. But there was a failure, and he needed to somehow make a way for him to be able to have a relationship with man. And so he instituted this system, but this system was always supposed to be temporary. But then, then we get to the person of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, it also says this in Hebrews 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Now, there's a lot of debate about who wrote Hebrews. And Paul's kind of like the easy answer is just assume that it was Paul, right? So what Paul is saying here, he's actually quoting a scripture from Psalms 40. That whole passage is a quote from Psalms 40, but then he goes on to explain. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they they were offered in accordance with the law. In other words, they were doing what they were supposed to, but ultimately God wasn't pleased with that. That's not what he wanted. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will, which is prophecy about the person of Jesus Christ. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So what Paul is explaining here is sacrifices of bulls and goats God wasn't pleased with. That's not what he wanted. And then here comes the person of Jesus Christ, and the person of Jesus Christ, he's, he realizes it's not sacrificing offerings that please you; it's actually obeying your will, it's actually obeying your word, it's actually uh, doing what you ask us to do. In fact, you, you see a lot of this in the Bible. There's a lot of mention that God would rather have obedience than he would sacrifice. You see this in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. Um, In Proverbs 21.3, he says this, Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifices. So what Jesus does is he comes and he obeys what God asks him to do. He lives a sinful life. And by that, what he does is he destroys the old system and replaces it. He destroys the old system that could only cover, and he replaces it with a system that could actually remove. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins and for my sins. He blotted out your transgressions, he took them away. Beforehand, that wasn't possible. Beforehand, that was not the case. So now we go back to the beginning and we look at Adam and Eve. They had the opportunity to obey, but they failed. Then we have. Um, Some some call Jesus a second Adam. Then we have a final Adam. And Jesus, he had the opportunity to obey, and he did. And because of that, we have life. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through one man's disobedience, who's that, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience the many were made righteous. Hebrews says this, For we do not have a high priest. Remember back to that idea of a high priest. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Hebrews five two says he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant. My dad says ignorant. Don't be ignorant. What does ignorant mean? It means I tell people that I'm like man, I did not mean to be so ignorant. Meaning, I did not mean to be so aloof, so disconnected from the truth, so like just had no idea. And that's what he calls us. It's like you, you just did a lot of you just have no idea. And because of that, we're going astray, since he is also clothed. Get this. He is clothed with weakness. So what what are these passages saying? These passages are saying that Jesus, the Son of Man, gets it. He gets it. There is a... uh, I don't know if you might have seen it online. And when I saw it, I'm like, what in the world is this? But it's an advertising campaign from Outreach Magazine. I think it's going to be like the largest Christian advertising campaign ever. And the tagline is, He gets us. And when I saw that, I was like, isn't that so true? Jesus, a son of man, who can identify with our weaknesses gets us. He understands what it's like to be human because he was human. He understands what it's like to have to figure out your bills because he's had to figure out his bills. He understands the struggles of this world. And because he gets it, this is the other part of the promise we should readily and boldly approach the throne of grace for forgiveness. It says go boldly before the throne. And that's not like walking up in there, hey, what's up, boldly, yeah. That is, that is saying boldly in the sense of confidence. I have confidence that because Jesus died for me, I can go to him and receive forgiveness. I know that because who Jesus is and because I can trust the scriptures and because I can trust God's heart, I can boldly or courageously or confidently walk in there and go, God, I need your forgiveness. Not Oh, God, I hope you forgive me. I hope you forgive me. I'm just, you know, what's up with him? I'm, I'm just but a worm. I'm just but a worm. Now Jesus is like, will you please stand up? And when you walk in and know that I have already, all of that thousands of years of blood spilt and sacrificial system and Over and over. You had to do it every year. Every year. This is what I love. Every year. And it was a reminder of the sin that you had done. And Jesus says, no. I'm the new system. And I want you to come in boldly, confidently, courageously. Because you know I'm going to forgive you and not forgive you in such a way that, oh, it's April 3rd. need to remind you of how sinful you are. April 3rd, 2023. It's time to remind you how sinful you are. April 3rd, 2024. Every year, I got to remind you how rotten and sinful you are. Do you need a reminder of how messed up we are? Jesus says, I take your sin and I throw it as far as the East is from the West. Because I love you that much. Are we sinful? Absolutely. Is it my responsibility to shine a light on things that are unrighteous and sinful? Absolutely. Does Paul do that? Absolutely. But when Jesus gets a hold of you, when Jesus gets a hold of you and you repent and you turn from your worldview to to his worldview. It's over. He says, I love you. I why wouldn't I forgive you? I taught my disciples to forgive you. I taught my disciples that they were like, Well, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? Seventy times? He says, seventy times seventy, or something like that. What he was saying was, a lot. <laughs> he wasn't saying, pull out your calculator and figure out what seven times seven. He was saying a lot. And how many times have I had to go before the throne room and go, man God, I've I've messed up. But isn't what isn't this what God said he wanted to do? He says this, for even the Son of Man, there's our phrase, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he said. It's like, hey, here is the Son of God, which we're going to talk about next week, which should make your head explode when you think about it in that context. The Son of God squeezing himself into a little baby suit. And walking among us and living a sin, sinless life. And as we learned a couple weeks ago in Philippians, he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on the cross. I believe that you are, you are never more like the son of man than when you're serving. That's why I value serving so much in this house. That's why I want you to serve. That's why if you're not on a serving team, I want you to be a part of that. Why? Because you are emulating who Jesus is, the Son of Man. Uh, Troy talked about uh, Discovery 101 today. It's when you can find out who we are as a church. You can find out our story. You can find out our mission, our vision. Next week is Serving 201. That's where you can say, all right, I want to do it. I want to join a team. I want to serve. I want to be a part of this. And you get to learn how God has created you and how God has crafted you and what your spiritual gifts are and what your talents and your experience and how God wants to use all that stuff that you came out of and he wants to use it for his glory. That it's not all a waste. And that's why I believe that You're never more like the son of man than when you serve. That's why I always say that you're never more like the son of of God than when you give. Because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's why we talk about generosity here so much. Because I want you to be like that. Yes, I want you to tithe. I absolutely want you to tithe. tithe. What is tithing? Tithing is... You look at your gross income, you calculate 10%, and you give that back to God. I want everybody to do that. I believe that is a a huge step of obedience in any believer's life. But I also want us to have a church where people experience our generosity. And that's not by us doing book bags for the homeless. That's part of it, yes, yes. But that is also getting into you. A teaching where you walk into Waffle House and you get it smothered, covered, and shredded and whatever it is. And you you have your, your waffle. And before you have your meal, you, you look at the waitress and you say, hey, me and my wife are about to Pray for our meal, and we want to ask you, is anything we can pray for you about? I guarantee you they're going to give you something. I guarantee you. We did that for one lady one time, and she said, I really want to get pregnant. I was like, dang, I got heavy real fast. <laughs> you know what? Three months later, she tracked us down and wrote us a letter, and she said, I'm pregnant. That when you sign the check, you don't leave 15% or 20%. Don't think 20% you're being generous. Think 20%, you're just, you're right there. Be stupid. Be, that's, that's the kind of generosity. When you, say, when you see that we're generous out here as a church, that's our values. I'm not just talking about tithing, I'm talking about being generous in the world man, I hope we get one of those Alenia people at my table because they're good tippers. <laughs> That's my heart. That's the vision I have for this church is that we, we are so... What's David say? He says, I want to be undignified. I want us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I want that to just ooze out of this place and ooze out of you so much that people are like, what in, what in the world? I know there's good churches, but man, that Elenia church, those people are different. That's my vision for this church. And what else does this highlight? These last scriptures it highlights that Jesus, and I think we lose sight of this, Jesus was a human being. We look back in the, the Nativity and we look at Jesus and, you know, we've got the little figurines right there and Jesus' little little figurine right there. And you got Mary. <laughs> look at Joseph, the staff. And we don't don't think about all the animal dung that was there in the manger. We don't think about every time she laid Jesus down, finally get him down for his nap, the stupid screaming goat over here wouldn't (laughs) shut up. We don't think about, he was a human being. He had had diapers. He was a human being. He, He had to learn how to walk he was Mary's baby boy and they freaked out when they lost him for a few days. For a few days. That he was a human being. His stomach grumbled when he was hungry. He was a human being that he would get tired at the end of the day when he continually poured himself out. That he was a human being that He would get hot outside and crave a drink. That he was a human being that his feet would hurt when he would walk a long time. That he was a human being that I bet he laughed at jokes. Why do I think that? Because he also cried at sorrow. That he was a human being that he felt pain, that he felt disappointment, that he felt betrayal, that he felt loss. He was like you and I, yet he was without Sin, And we need to know that he identifies with us because he made himself one of us. But he died, he rose again, and that's not the end of the story in our final verse, not close. And suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before Him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people and every nation and language should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Meaning, He's here to stay. He did it once and for all. When He was on the cross, He said, is finished what i have come to do is taken care of that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that the old covenant could be done away with and a new covenant would come that jesus would fulfill he said that i would fulfill every letter of the law and for us we need to have hope that we can go into the throne room boldly courageously Bravely, knowing that we will receive forgiveness. Because the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of Man, has come. And He has conquered. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you died for us. We thank you that you made yourself... You humbled yourself all the way to the point of a man, to the point of dying on the cross, to the point of suffering for us so that we could be reconciled. And as we close, just remaining heads bowed and eyes closed, if you have never received Christ, you've never begun a relationship with Him, or you feel like that maybe that's... I need that. I need to go back before the throne room and receive forgiveness because I have strayed and I want to get back on track. Would you raise your hand for me so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. All right. God, we love you. We want to pray for these people that want to return to you. and. I want to follow you, and we can do that. Just ask everybody to just repeat these words out loud. and We do this for the sake of those who are praying it for the first time. And just say, Dear Jesus, I love you. I want to return to you. I want to follow you. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again three days later. Send your spirit inside of me. Make me a new creation. I repent for my ways and turn to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you prayed to receive Christ at the end of that message, would you let us know? We would love to put a free gift in your hand and some resources to help you on this new journey with Jesus. Just go to aleniachurchorg forward slash connect and fill out the short form. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurchorg forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alenia Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Our prayer is that we are able to begin video recording these messages in the 2022 year, and your giving will help make that possible. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you don't yet have a church home and you live in the Murfreesboro area, we would love to host you for Easter at Elenia, April 17th, 10 a.m., meeting at Oakland Middle School. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.